calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey guys, it's Malls. I promise we will resume shortly with the regular Please Advise schedule. But right now, I have something different for you today. Uh, my friend Jolie Kerr, who has the Ask a Clean Person column, book, etc. You've probably read her writing in many places over the years. She just had a birthday party out here in LA and I was able to bring Ed and Christina and Ronnie Karam was there, as well as a bunch of her friends that I had met before, um, who you will meet throughout this podcast recording. And oddly enough, um, Katie from my bachelor group. So, um, you guys, I don't really know what happens in this episode. I know we all tried our best to ask Jolie cleaning questions. Um, I know Ed felt something, some things very deeply. Uh, I know that we got, uh, a little political at times. Um, but it's a, it's a varied conversation. It's a fun one. And it's also very drunk. Uh, so if you enjoyed that smokehouse episode, this is a little bit more, uh, organized chaos than that. You might like it. All right. I hope you guys enjoy. That's Martha, my cleaning lady turning on the water. Martha, say hi. Hi. Martha's the best. All right. Bye guys. (laughs) Oh, wait. And one other thing before I let you go, do not forget that this is a call-in show. It's very, very important that you call our show with your problems so that when we do resume, we have some bomb-ass questions to greet you guys back with. So 323-450-7408 or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your letters or voice notes. You guys, you've been waiting. If you've been sitting on a question for a while, if you're embarrassed or afraid to call, which by the way is something that I hear shockingly a lot for something that's anonymous. Um, and I really don't, you know, sometimes people will look at me and be like, Hey, did you get my call? And, um, like guys, I don't know. It's you. You don't have to, you don't have to out yourself if you don't want to. So just remember that. And also know that, um, no judgment. We want questions of all kinds, your crazy family stuff, your end of summer stuff, your back to school stuff, your beauty stuff, your food stuff, whatever it is, hit us up. 323-450-7408. Okay, where we are is Jolie Cares 
something at the birthday. I don't know. It's not my business to say. We should ask if she wants to talk about age. We'll get into that when we get when we get there. But uh, there's a lot of people here from lots of different places who are here that know each other. Ed is here. My best friend Ed came with me and Christina. Obviously, Christina's here. Hey, Christina, are you lit? No, because I'm on a whole thirty and I can't drink. Girl, how are you? Are you feeling that whole thirty? Yeah, uh, this is actually day 14, so two weeks in. Yeah, I'm half done. Yeah, because you, you fall into a lull. Like, in day 10, you feel like shit. But then, like, day 12, day 13, that's, like, when you get your energy back. And you actually feel better than ever, and your skin looks great. Remember Whole30, like, day 15? Day 15, you're on, you're, it's a euphoria. Tomorrow's going to be awesome. I age, I age in reverse on Whole30. Yeah. I turned like 20 on the whole 30. It was amazing. I looked so young. My skin was amazing. I had no bags under my eyes. Okay, so real quick, just because we have some new voices on the mic, can you guys introduce yourselves uh, for everyone in a way that you're going to be comfortable so we don't have to edit this special after? So, like, think about that. <laughs> but before you say it, um, hi, uh, what's your name? Oh, hi, my name is Matthew, and I'm from Burbank, California. Cool. And um, hey, birthday girl, how are you? I told the audience that I wouldn't say how old you are unless you wanted to, in which case, like, then you can have the mic and just kind of riff on that for two if you want. No, I'm I'm t- <laughs> no, I'm totally proud of how old I'm. Jolie Care. I'm the clean person. I'm 41 years old. Well, actually, I'm not. I have like three days left to go at 40, but then I'm turning 41. And that's who I am. And I've done the whole 30 twice, and I love it. And it's totally life-changing for me. And soy is the enemy is the thing that I learned. Oh, wait, I've yeah. done the whole life challenge, right? Oh, do you, okay. Katie. So this is Katie. Yeah, I, I'm from Los Feliz. Um, but um, I've done this thing called whole life challenge, which is like whole 30, but you can choose the level of diet that you're on. It's not as hard as whole 30. and But you also have to do, like, Every day you have to do these habits like exercise and stretch and um, drink enough water. And it's more like a lifestyle change. Oh, but <laughs> no, it's so great. You feel so good. I know. But you know what? I do it for two months at a time. And it's actually great. I'm on a diet. <laughs> well, I think it's like a, a diet's like it comes with an end date, right? And if you do a lifestyle change, <laughs> basically, I've been using that phrase. I've been using that phrase all month. So, <laughs> this is like this is the hardest environment I've been in so far, where there's like endless booze and chips everywhere. Like you have to make it a lifestyle change. Go fuck yourself, Janelle from Weight Watchers. It's not, I'm not changing my lifestyle. I'm starving myself. Until I get thin enough to fuck hotter people, and then I'm gonna get fat again. It's called the let yourself go diet. Fucking a hot person is not that much better than fucking a not hot person. So why diet for that? Well, yeah, also that. Um, did you guys read the Taffy Ackner New York Times Magazine article about dieting? Taffy Ackner, who is an incredibly talented feature writers she was at GQ she's now at the New York Times magazine and moving into the paper she's one of those writers who makes me want to claw my face off when I read her writing because 
She is so much more talented than I could ever be on my best day. But I, but I love her writing. I mean, I just I say that like not to cut myself down, but just to say how incredibly great she is. She wrote this amazing piece for the New York Times Magazine about dieting and Weight Watchers and the movement away from saying that you're dieting into wanting to be strong or wanting wellness or wanting health. And it also wove in her own struggles with her own weight. And it was the most devastating thing I've read in a long time. And I couldn't shake. It was like one of those things I couldn't shake for two days because she's that good. Announcement. Oprah is still fat. That's all I'm going to say. It is part of who we are. You can get less fat for a time. We are what we are. I read this article that said once you reach a certain weight, your body is always like, I'm trying to get it's always like trying to get back. And so it's just being healthier, you know, but girl, you, if Oprah can still eat, then I can still eat. And I like that Oprah can scream. I love bread and still be gorgeous and rich. And then, you know, go on a diet. I like the big Oprah and the little Oprah. Let's just love all of our Oprah's guys. Delta Burke got funny when she gained weight. She wasn't a good actress when she was thin. She was brassier. I liked her big, like season two through five in uh, Designing Women. Season one, she was too self-conscious. And I liked her when she just said, you know what, fuck it, I'm getting married. I'm going to gain the 50 pounds that I'm supposed to have. And she owned it, and she had a blast. She did it, she did it the right way. She gained a ton of weight and was like, I'm going to start shellacking shit. You know? I'm going to stay at home and learn how to shellac flowers. <laughs> and she wore big furs. Like, she covered it. She, she wore, she wore, she belted shit up, like, right under her boobs to create the appearance of a, of a, a waist. She put shoulder pads on. She wore furs. Like, she did, yeah, she, yeah, her hair got super big, which made her look, her face look smaller. Delta Burke did it right. So this reminds me of the This American Life podcast uh, that had Lindy West and the This American Life uh, producer, and um, Roxanne Gay. And Roxanne Gay was like, yeah, Lindy West is Lane Bryant fat. So she can buy clothes that fit her. She can buy cute clothes. Like, I appreciate, like, the fat positivity movement, but I'm so large that, like, I have to research chairs before I go to a restaurant because I've broken chairs and I can't, you know, wear clothes and things like that. So there's sort of, like, a, a difference. Yeah, there's a difference between, like, fat... And Lane Bryant fat and then people who think they're fat but actually can just wear normal clothes and they're just like 10 pounds heavier and they're like, oh my God, I'm so fat right now, right? It's that, it's that kind of difference that makes, I don't know, it, fat is very much a subjective opinion. I think it's totally relative. I mean, kind of. I just want to say that we're all drinking wine and eating chips, so... <laughs> We're having our, like, cheat day. <laughs> We're, uh, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> okay, so um, that was cool. Um, so while we're all here, I feel like I, everyone here could, might have messes in their homes. Um, and, or, you know, clothing, other materials are in your car. Christina, I know you have mashed up Cheerios in the backseat of your car right now. Girl, you don't have children with it was from my niece. It was from my niece when she wow. visited two weeks ago. Maybe, uh, and even if that was what you were into, that'd be cool with us. So, I, okay. So, 
Okay, my room was like Grey Gardens Jr. It was so fucking bad. It well close. So I used to just have like food. I'd have everything on the floor. Like there was clothes, and my sister and I were roommates. My sister's immaculate, and so of course my like the rest of the apartment was immaculate. But you'd enter my room and you'd be like, he's mentally ill. Like my dad, my parents thought I was mentally ill because my room. They were like. <laughs> My parents had a talk with me. They said only a person who's crazy would choose to live this <laughs> would choose to live this way. <laughs> and by the way, like I'm as as messy as you are, which is why, like, always, like over the years, when you said, like, we, I hope, like, though, before we get married, <laughs> like, to our respective spouses, that will never find us. Uh, or uh, probably, probably you. I don't know. I'm. Okay, oh, thank you. But um, this is what I'm saying, is that the point is, is that you were like, we should live together, and I was like, we would die in, like, a pile of solo cups and trash. <laughs> and, like, like, I drink out of solo cups. Yeah. Because I don't want to, I don't want to make my dishes. I don't want to make my dishes dirty, so, like, you know. So, yeah. Caroline Manzo makes me so upset because her kitchen is so incredibly cluttered and she brags about how she's so clean and organized and tidy and she's not because I've seen her kitchen. And the thing about her kitchen that bugs me more than anything else in the whole wide world is that there are just stacks of red solo cups everywhere. And I'm like, Caroline, you have ample cabinet space and I know that there are good glasses and fancy glasses and everyday glasses and you're not using them you're just using the red solo cups and why are you living this way why are you living this way stop use a proper glass you own you own them you have a dishwasher use it use a proper glass for crying out loud right yes she's got yeah, she has. I mean, Al's got the apartment above the brownstone where he, uh, you know, probably. I'm saying. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying is that she's used to looking the other way. She's used to saying like, you know what? We keep the nice things for a rainy day. That's how she really is. Is she's like, which to me, I say like, that's why I started wearing like my dry clean only tops. Like even sometimes just on a random day, because if I can't enjoy them now, when will I? All right, so I did, um, I did like, a panel event with Lindy West as the moderator. And there were the, – the panel was me and a bunch of other, like, lady experts on things. I was the cleaning expert. There was, like, a financial person and a sex and relationships person. And before we did it, we came up with a – it was called How to Be a Grown-Ass Woman. And we came up with, like, a list of, like – not rules, because a, a grown-ass woman doesn't live by other people's rules, but it was, like, guidelines to be a grown-ass woman. And one of the things that we all agreed on was use your good shit. Don't save it for a rainy day. Because, yeah. like, the rainy day might not ever come, and you don't know when your last day is. Like, eat off your good china. Drink out of your good wine glasses. Use your fancy face cream every single day. Don't save that for some day. Use it today. Don't let your husband fuck other women upstairs at the brownstone. You know what I'm saying? Or let him because you need a break. Maybe. Yes, exactly. Exactly. 
but you get the most out of everything in life, and that is very important. Speaking of getting the most out of everything in life, Ronnie, do you want to say anything? No. Okay. Okay. All right. So does anyone else? Okay, Ronnie. Okay, you're like always embarrassed to have people over your house because you're like it's not clean, but then you go to your house and it's actually really clean. Why do you think you're not clean? And Jolie, do you know like why people have clean phobia? Like why they're afraid of their fr- afraid they're not clean even when they are clean? Do you have like theory on that? I think mine is that way because I'm just like fuck it, and I like just saying fuck it a lot. And there's no one to boss me around, and so I do stuff like to harm myself. But I really don't want to be a cutter or heroin addict, and I'm already a food addict. So I'm like, I'll just fuck up my house a lot. And then I'm like, oh, I'm so sad. I live in the saddest house ever. But then I know that I'm just doing it to fuck with myself. So then it's just a big stupid game. But then there's still paper towels on my floor. The end. Thank you for this therapy. Okay, so here's what I think the pathology is here. I think that people think about cleaning as a thing that they were always told to do by someone else. Someone else who they didn't want to listen to. Their mother, their father, their grandma, their roommate their boyfriend, their girlfriend, like someone who they just didn't want to be like, do this. And when you finally get out of a place where anyone is in a position to tell you to do this, you still have the mentality that that behavior goes along with someone telling you to do this. And it's a, it's a weird mind shift to go, I'm on my own now and I can do this not because someone else is telling me to do it or making me do it, but because I'm doing it for myself because it actually makes my life better. And the minute you can like make that shift in your mind where you go like, I'm not making my bed every day because I have to, because my mother told me, because my girlfriend told me, my boyfriend told me, like whatever. When you were like, I make my bed every day because I want to do it for myself. That's when you become the clean person. And that's what, and that's when, and that's when your life turns around. And that's when you're like, I'm honoring myself every day because I do this for myself. I don't do it for anyone else. I do it for myself because when I, come home from a long long day of work my bed is made and my bedroom looks nice and when I walk into my bathroom to take a a shower after a really long hard day there aren't dirty underwear on the floor because I pick those up and I put them in the hamper like my whole thing is I just want people to get to the point of cleaning where they're not doing it for anyone other than themselves I just I just want to say preach sister preach sister like right here I was feeling it went into my soul I mean the thing is is that I used to be really messy and I'll tell you something I spent three hours this morning cleaning my damn apartment like I fucking Lysol the quartz countertops I Lysoled. I was Lysoling in places that I didn't know I could Lysol. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And what I will say is, is that the satisfaction, I was listening to Demi Lovato, okay? <laughs> I was listening to Demi Lovato clean the fuck out of my apartment this morning. And I was like, you know what? I am every human, like, woman, gay man, Every Demi Lovato, every Lindsay Lohan Circabasi, every Mira Sorvino, every Daphne Zuniga, every Laura Layton, every Judith Light. 
every Mona from Who's the Boss. Because that was my girl. So the one thing is I just want to say I'm an honor to be seated in the presence of all these wonderful people who are all cultured and intelligent and very educated. And I'm not saying that in a dick way. I just mean they really are. And it just is what it is. And so... Like, I'm not saying in a dick way. I'm just saying, like, it's nice. Like, they're very informed and cool, and it's nice. I think also the moment that Julie is talking about comes when you live by yourself because you know that when you clean something and you leave the house, that when you come back, it's still going to be clean. Like, when you live with housemates, you're kind of like, why am I going to bother to do this because... I'm going to wash the dishes and I'm going to wipe up the counter and I'm going to mop the floor. But when I come home, there are going to be dishes in the sink and dishes on the counter and crap on the floor. And you're just sort of like, well, why am I going to put all this labor into it? Like, not to bring a feminist analysis to this or anything, but... Bring the feminist analysis right into this business. Yeah, I'm I'm Kate. Uh, I'm from Connecticut, but I live in L.A. Uh, God, it feels so weird to be like, I'm from... I am from, I am the, I also went, I went to a seven sisters school and I'm currently getting my doctorate in feminist theory. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. So anyway, yeah, they literally, so, so there are these women when we were walking through the car show. These women, like, were looking at everybody, and they were like, oh, my God, do you want a coupon to the vintage store? And I was like, I do. Do you want 10% off? Yes. I do want 10% off. Anyway, not to, not to get all, like, Betty Friedan on it or anything. But, like, cleaning is largely um, – house labor has largely been unremunerated Labor. It's been unpaid labor, and it's largely been expected of women to make a home. And not just from, like, a physical, I'm going to clean the shit, I'm going to put it away, but from an emotional labor standpoint, right? Like, you need to make the home in every sense that it is. So I think for a lot of women, when you move into your own house, there's that moment where you're like, I don't have to wash the dishes. I don't have to put my fucking clothes away. I don't have to do shit because no one's going to give me a hard time about it. But then eventually you're like, but my mental health is a lot better better when my clothes are hung up and wow look at my closet that's so nice and I like it when I can find all of my shoes and not just one shoe in this room and that shoe in the other room and I like it when I can take a bath Uh, and like always in different rooms (laughs) they're always I can I live in a tiny one bedroom and my shoes are all over the fucking place I don't know how one is like shoved behind a sleeping bag in the closet and one's in the kitchen like how does that happen all the time it's very true. It's very true. So I think the idea... So, like, building off of Jolie's idea that you're cleaning for somebody else, I think that even when you've never been a housewife or a house partner or whatever, the idea that you don't have to do this because this is your space and you have better things to do with your time is, like, really resonant with a lot of people. I think you know, my friend... 
uh, my friend Jenna from college, at one point, she spilled grape juice in her fridge, and she just left it there for two months. And she was like, you know what? I live by myself, and if some dude that I date opens up my fridge and sees grape juice, and he, like, can't handle it, well, you know what? That's just too bad, because that's my life. Like, I have better things to do with my time. I spilled hoisin sauce, you know, that really thick oh, sauce. Oh, I spilled hoisin sauce, because I didn't put the cap back on right, in my fridge, and it leaked down from the top. It's, like, down the back wall. Last year, like over a year ago, and it's disgusting. I mean, I see it, and I'm like, that's disgusting, but I ain't cleaning that shit. But also, it's like ossified at this point. So here's the thing. Ronnie, leave the hoisin sauce for as long as you want it. Thank you. Really, truly, I mean this. It's your hoisin sauce and and your refrigerator, but there's like a super easy fix, and here's what it is. Just... Wet a, a sponge or a rag with very, very hot water. Mind your hands, of course. And then, and then you got big hands. Uh, congratulations to you, Ronnie. Uh, <laughs> and then you just take this, like, basically a hot compress, and you, you press it on the hoisin sauce, and it re- what happens with, yeah, what happens with sauces, condiments, is that they dry on, and they need to be in order to. It, well, it's vis, it's 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 viscous and sticky because there's sugar in it. But what you need to do is you need to reconstitute it with hot water, which will reliquify it, and then you can wipe it away really fast. So that's how you clean it up. But if you don't want to clean it up, don't clean it up. Ronnie's gonna move. Um, okay, so I have a. Um, I have a, 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 the front of my fridge, is, you can see through it. Oh, yes, you brought more alcohol outside. I'll have some. Yes, may I have some of my cups? So I have, um, so the rub of like having, I wanted a Frigidaire commercial freeze fridge because they're like good. And also I feel like it's important to be accountable, I think. And so when you can see through all the things that are in your fridge, like, it holds you accountable. Like, you can't be, like, buck wild. You know what I mean? Or if you are, it's for a party, and then it's, like, a fun decoration. But anyway, um, I had to get, like, a stand-up freezer. I had to get a stand-up freezer <laughs> in order to have the fridge of my dreams. Like a standalone freezer? Yeah. It's a standalone freezer. No. It's about the size of a mini fridge and it has drawers. And I, I really love um, freezer space. I value it because I love um, summery treats like popsicles and ice cream all the time. Um, but I also have like, um, well, okay, so what's what was very cool was that I have a bag of shrimp right now. And <laughs> looks like you made it. Looks like you made it. Somebody went to Costco. <laughs> So I have a bag of shrimp and I have 20 chicken breasts. And the only time I can think of, because I do my drawers alternately so that like some, some of them are thought out and some of them aren't. But I really am at the point where I have to unplug the whole thing and take it outside and let it defrost for like 24 hours. Because it's a standing freezer. Like, 
gravity. Yeah. I would like to endorse Molly right now because she's an amazing ass cook and she makes shit all the time that's like delicious and healthy and well portioned and you always do that. So I just want to shout that out for you. Thanks, Ed. Thank you. I don't want to have a party at my house to get rid of my ch- my twenty chicken breasts because I love I love to have chicken breasts at my house, and my I and my yeah I earn them and I like to cook them differently. I have like a crazy chicken marinade that I don't ever tell anyone because it only has three ingredients and people don't believe me. And then I serve it to them and they're like, they're like, why is this chicken amazing? And I'm like. No, I'm like because I'm I'm like because I made it. So here's all it is. It's olive oil and red wine vinegar. Olive oil, balsamic, yeah. salt. Yeah. No, but it's red wine vinegar. That's the trick. It's like liquidy. It's not biscuit. A little salt. Maybe maybe well, I said three ingredients. So You don't know. We don't know the third one. The third one is salt. Oh, okay. And maybe if I'm feeling frisky, a little fresh ground black pepper but but like but literally but but literally salt olive oil and red wine cheap ass pompeii brand red wine vinegar is the thing you just like dump your breasts in there let them sit and then you cook them and it's like the best chicken you've ever had in your life okay so i'll wrap this up because i know we've gotten on a lot of tangents because and Okay, yes, of course. So, essentially, I don't want to have a party, but I need to put these um, shrimps and chicken somewhere while I'm while it's defrosting. But I don't know where to put them. And so, where can I hide my shrimp and my chicken while I'm defrosting for? Because I don't want to share them with other people. No, but I don't want to defrost them. I want to keep them frozen. But I won't have a freezer. How do I keep? Is that obvious to everyone else? Oh, okay. Yeah. I have a oh, I have so many coolers. Yeah, like literally, get the fuck out of here. Of course, I have a cooler. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god! Wow! Wow! Ronnie really yeah, thinks he knows cooler. me. <laughs> you really know me, Ronnie. You don't have a cooler. Yeah, you know me so well. Yeah, I got chip balls, yeah. Oh, I've got chip balls. Yeah. Okay, but like, I've got all that. Well, you know what? I might as well just have a party. Yeah. Yeah. I think I should. Yeah, yeah, I do. Protein. Okay, all right. Um, okay. Um, Kate wants to say one more thing. Um, before we log off. All right. So I'm gonna be the super fun feminist killjoy of this podcast if this actually gets on the podcast and talk about the gendered expectations of cleaning and talk about like when when you go to a straight dude's house and it's a mess, you're like, okay, well, he's just a straight dude. But if a straight dude 
comes to a woman's house or I, I can't speak for what it's like if you're a, a gay man right but if if you if you're a if you're a woman and you're a straight woman and you have a messy house it's somehow somehow seen like a like a, a judgment upon your femininity right so there are these expectations for women for a house to be clean and you know Starting in like the mid 2000s, there was a real turn back to the domestic. If you look at media and if you look at at all of these things and it's sort of like, you know, once it's it's almost like an expectation that that counteracts the idea of of women in 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 the public sphere and women who are working because who has time to clean their house all the time, right? Like if you're working, you either have to farm that out to somebody else or if you're doing it yourself, then, you know, it means that you don't have as much time to do your work. So the, the, yeah. I would like to say a way that this kind of represents itself in conservative media is Dr. Laura often talks about child rearing herself but she never talks about cleaning herself, and that's not as a big thing as I think that she honestly ne- does not claim to keep a household. She doesn't. All she claims to do is stay at home with her kid. That's it. I think she like Dr. Oyer so does not clean anything. She builds Lego structures on paper towels. If you look at her Instagram, it's wild, ma'am. Um, but anyway, sorry, keep going, Kate. Dr. Laura on Instagram. I can't even imagine what that's like. I want to follow Dr. Laura on Instagram. I love that judgmental. But so many hours of her. I love her. She's an awful, awful human being. But right, often very right. She's like, she's like, um, I, I tolerate her the way that people should tolerate their family. Like, I like, like, no, she's the worst person in the whole world. I love her. And also. Cleanliness has historically been associated with whiteness, right? The purity of whiteness. You need to have a pure home, a clean home. And if you're a white person who has a dirty home, then it means either you're a slovenly person or you can't afford to clean. And if you're a poor person and your house isn't like perfectly clean, then it me- it's, a, it's a reflection on your character. It means that you, know, you deserve to be poor. If your house is messy and you're a poor person, then somehow that's reflective upon you. So there are all of these gendered and class considerations with cleanliness that I think when we when we think about cleanliness and we think about the expectations of cleanliness then we need to think about like the gender and class and race associations of that I don't disagree with what you're saying necessarily but I think on just a, a animal level you got a dirty house no one's really gonna respect you no matter what your race, your age, your color, your anything. It's like a sign of how you take care of yourself and how you're going to take care of somebody else, yeah? Right, but if you're a white person with a messy house, then they're just going to think that you're an individually messy person. And if you're a person of color with a messy house, then they're going to think, well, that's just because you're, you're lazy, you're black, you're Hispanic, you're you know, whatever you are, that's just a reflection of your entire race. And that's how, that's how structural inequality works, right? Like That's how racism and whiteness works, right? Like If you're a white person and you have a dirty house, then that's just an individual thing. And if you're a person of color and you have a dirty house, then that's just because you're a person of color. Let me tell you this. So I, th- I think most people who have heard me talk, no, this is Jolie, know that I'm half Indian and half white. I look entirely white. I walk through the world as a white woman, and I acknowledge that 100%. But I am more Indian than I am anything else. 
a few years ago, we in our apartment building, we had a regular exterminator who would come every month. And every month, I would always let him in. Not everyone would let him in to exterminate, but I would always let him in because, of course, I'm jolly. I'm the clean person. I wanted my apartment bombed for bugs. And there was a, a, a month where we were having an infestation of roaches of an apartment Two floors down from me was really infested with roaches, and it was starting to affect every other apartment, including mine. And I let the exterminator in, and I said, you know, he asked, where do you want me to spray? And I said, I want you to spray literally everywhere because there's been a problem downstairs, and it's affecting my apartment. And he looked at me, and he said, oh, yeah, it's those filthy Indian people downstairs. And... First of all, it was not the Indian people downstairs, and they're not filthy. It was like white pe- white bros two floors down who were the problem, actually. But the bigger thing was that this man did not realize that he was saying to me, Jolie Care, the clean person, the Indian woman, oh, it's those filthy Indian people. And I was just like, get out. Spray this apartment and then get out. Yes. Like, the, the cultural bias around cl- cleanliness and dirtiness is insane. And I've experienced it in my own life because I don't look like what I really am. And one of the weird things about being half Indian and looking as white as I do is that I actually hear what white people really think about Indian people. And that was the strongest example of... of what I can give of how people talk to me because they think that it's safe because they don't think I'm Indian and they tell me what they really think. So it's like me being such a, like such a butch guy. When I hear people talk about gays, I feel so undercover y'all. In uh, anthropological theory, dirt is considered matter out of place. Uh, and so when you think about dirt, um, and it's not at all a surprise that, you know, immigrants or, you know, non-white people are associated with dirt because they are also considered to be out of place. They're not considered to be belonging in the predominantly white culture where we live in America or in the UK, anywhere in the Commonwealth, really. So in predominantly white nations, you know, that association of dirt uh, is not just a, a cultural thing, but it's also it's 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 connected to larger ideas of who belongs and who doesn't. I have an interesting little conundrum that happened to me on Friday. So, and I, I want advice as to how you would handle it. So my roommate had uh, a woman come to clean his room and he told her specifically like just his room and the bathroom. And she ended up cleaning the entire apartment for like $60. So she even cleaned my room, and I was like, oh, my God. I offered to pay my roommate, like, half the fee for the cleaning, but I feel like we should, like, pay the woman a proper wage for ending up cleaning the whole apartment, even though that wasn't part of the agreement. I don't know. What do you think I should do? And it's like, it was a Hispanic woman, and I wasn't there to explain to her, like, in Spanish, a like, hey. people downcharge themselves, like, in L.A., especially it's so competitive to be a cleaning person in L.A., you know, like, to be able to get the job. Ed has something he wants to ch- chime in with. Um, no, I just want to say that um, I was raised by a Mexican woman who lived in my home for 10 years and was part of my family. 
And so when I would get dropped off sometimes for school, someone people would say, like, is your maid home? And I'd say, that's not my maid. That's our housekeeper. She runs our house. She's the best person. Like, basically, I just feel like, you should just, and you know this, just treat people with the same respect that you would want treated and give them a tip and do anything you can to make it just a little extra nice because it's tough out there. And I know you, yeah. Well, no, I'm saying, like, it's already happened. Yeah. Like, if, had I been there, I would have made sure, like, hey, I would have squared it away. So, like, what should I do? Should I just, like, not worry about it or? Well, Shauna was a cleaning person. Uh-huh. My mom, you know. So, like, the other thing to remember, too, is just that, like, it happened, whatever. Like, whatever happened, happened. Moving forward, if she is to come, you can, like, tuck a little envelope underneath your pillow with some cash and a nice note that just is, like, thank you for everything you do. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't even need to be a conversation with Nick because if she's in your room cleaning your stuff, changing your linens or doing whatever, like, then she's already in an intimate space in your room. Like, that's that's a transaction between you guys. So you can let Nick know if you want, but like, you know, if, yeah, I would feel that way if someone was changing my linens, like I could leave them some cash and she, a little she note. She didn't change my linens, but she tidied up, like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which, floors were clean we, and that is a question, yeah. Oh, I, I have a question. Like, um, I have a woman who cleans my house once a month and we pay her very well, like beyond $60. And um, do I tip? I don't know what the tipping is. I give her a like a Christmas gift every year and I like yeah, give a I like yeah. But like is it commonplace to tip for cleaning people? I don't know. I don't know what the status status like the <clears throat> You know what I'll I'll say as people people ask me these kinds of questions. People ask actually the most common people question that people ask me about cleaning services is is it okay if I hire one? Which, yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. And if you're asking that question, you need to check in with your own questions about class and your feelings about work and labor because you shouldn't even be asking that. Of course it's okay to hire someone. It's a, it's a respectable and perfectly fine job that people have. Mm-hmm. I just have trouble with the concept of another Hispanic woman who's not related to me is cleaning my room. <laughs> yeah. But I think you got to check in on that. Yeah. Like, Can, uh, go ahead. So, you know, my mom's from Panama, and, like, she moved here when she was 16. And in Panama, like, and I'm just saying this is just, like, sorry, this is not, like, speaking on behalf of all Latin Americans, but what I will say is, in Panama, people who live with you, who help you clean your house, like they're like, you know, you can get to be very intimate and part of the family. And I feel like, you know, and so I think that you shouldn't feel like negative because she's just earning a living and doing her working hard and appreciating all her, her blessings and doing all that stuff because she's probably sending money to people back home who really need it and these downtrodden economies. I know. Molly, you're very, I know you're very good to the people who help. Like, I've seen it. Like, you are. You are. No, you really are. You go out of your way. Like, whether it's a beer, a nice piece of chicken, or whatever it is. Like, yeah, or some shrimp. You know, she got a lot of that. (laughs) Y'all know she got some chicken wings and some shrimp. And so, Molly can, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But, uh... (laughs) Uh, so when I was younger, 
uh, my mom was a cleaning lady at a bed and breakfast because my parents got divorced and, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom and she needed some extra money to help clean. Um, so I agree that there is absolutely nothing... There's, like, all work is respectable work, yeah. right? Like, no, no, not at all. So my... my res- If you feel bad about hiring someone to do a respectable job, that's on you, not on them and not on the job. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And in response to your question, I think one of the things that you could do is you could leave a note being like, oh, was there a misunderstanding? You cleaned everything. We only paid you for two rooms. Let us know if we owe you more money because you pay, you clean the entire house. So we're happy to, to pay the rest of that. Right. So you make it uh, a mistake, a communication thing that's on you as opposed to on her. And then you're not like, Oh yeah, here's an extra little bit of money. Like you, you make it about, Oh, I'm sorry. We only wanted this, but you gave us extra. So let us know if we owe you more money. Right. That's one way to go about it. I think that offers her, her, you know, her respect and her dignity and her autonomy. You guys are so sensitive and nice. Honestly, all of you. I say that with sarcasm, but also, honestly, like, you guys are such nice people. But I just want to point out, that was her first time cleaning. She kicked ass, so you would call her again. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes as Americans, we're so shocked when anybody goes above and beyond to do a good job that we're like, I mean, you know. She'd like when you call her again and you write, you give her a raise for cleaning the house, you know, that's. Yeah, that was actually the first time that we've had her and that like I didn't even know, like I just walked in my, into my house on Friday and it was clean and I was like, oh, I was planning to do this this weekend, but you know what, now I'm just going to have fun. So it's great. I can meal prep. It's fine. I would like to say that is an opportunity I personally in the past have taken to empower another female entrepreneur and say, listen. Look like, yeah, I will let, I will pay $75 this one time for this organic spray tan in your house where you're spraying abs on me. But never again are you to ask someone to pay that. Like, you have to ask yeah, people for absolutely. $120, $125. Like, but you're, but for, because you, because I told you I'm always going to be at 75 but like, you have to charge higher. Yeah, you do. And that's when you pimp it out. You know, yeah. like I want to pimp out Martha. Or even you just decide that you're if you're like, OK, the new rate, if you're going to clean my whole house is one hundred and twenty because that's a fair and living wage. And, you know, not even like I'm going to be seventy five bucks when you clean my house and I'm going to pimp you out to my friends for more money. But like. I feel uncomfortable paying you $60 for you cleaning my whole house. Like the going rate for that is X or whatever it is. And like you're prep, you're, you're permanently hired. Like you are our new person. Competitive. Like in her building, that's an, I would say in her building, that is actually a competitive price. Well, I will know like, here's the thing is that Christine is also in like a community where there could be a lot of people, like you could get a lot of people to do the same Gig on the same floor. No. I pay a hundred for my house. When I had a, an apartment that was half of Christina's size, I paid sixty-five, and that was like. Yeah, I 
My great-grandmother was a maid in her town. Like, when her husband died of, like, typhoid fever or whatever, she, like, was a maid at the local hotel. And she made a really good living. She, like, managed herself to be, like, lead housekeeper and stuff like that. And I just feel like, like, she bought, like, she, like, she gave my grandmother, like, a really nice, like, wedding and, like, wedding dress and all this stuff. She's very proud. Like, lace curtain Irish. But what I will say is, is that I just feel like, the moniker of someone, you know, they can also know what to charge as well. And too, and like, you can like, you know, try to supplant that in any way you feel you think is appropriate, you know, because it's just like, if you're working hard, you deserve to get paid, you know? And yeah, it's just like, sure. you know, and it's, I think it depends on the size of the space and there's a lot of different. You should be her manager. You should make her sign a contract. You take 10% off the top of all of her deals, and you send her to all the different buildings, and you get her into new houses, and you take 10% right off the top of that, Christina, and you send, that's your new hustle. <laughs> Do you want to wrap this up? Yeah. I mean, I think... I love you. It's like a, it's a, it's a question of... You know, you want to be respectful, you want to offer her her dignity, and you don't want to be patronizing, but also you want to give her a fair wage for her labor. So, you know, that's, you know, you don't want to be like, oh, you you didn't charge me enough, so I'm going to give you more money because you don't know any better. And she's just like, wait, no, this is, this is standard, so I'm just doing the job that you paid me to do. Like, what is this? But also just making sure that, like, you know you're comfortable with the wage that you're offering her and, and that she's comfortable with the wage that you're offering her just because other people are like, oh, cool, we're going to give you, like, $60 to clean my entire house. Like, you may not feel comfortable with that for a variety of reasons, so you're allowed to to set you... I pay more to get my vagina waxed, to be honest. I said I pay more to get my vagina waxed, to be honest. I do. I think any sort of... Waged labor's like circumstance or situation that you have with anybody who's doing domestic work for you, it's really intimate. You know, as as Ed was saying earlier, it's really intimate, and like it's not just about labor, especially if you have kids. Like it's about emotions and connections, and you know, it's about. I just not that this is at all comparable, but I keep thinking about that story in the Atlantic about the guy who talked about his slave, right? And oh, yeah. Which, this is not, it's not the same thing, but it just, that story got such a strong reaction because, you know, in the United States, given our current political climate, when you have people of Hispanic descent or, or Latin descent or, you know, anything like that, and they're offering their services, there's a whole structural, there's a lot of structure, like, you know, structural inequality that goes into that, and people who are undercutting their own labor in order for them to, like, have food and all of those things. So, I mean, if you decide that you want to pay them more because that makes you more comfortable, and, like, I don't think that they're going to be like, don't give me more money, I don't know. It's a really fraught situation, and I think that everybody needs to negotiate that relationship and that, you know, all of that on their on their own, and it's, yeah. Okay, you guys. Well, um, that was hella deep. Um, <laughs> that was a very fun birthday podcast. Very excellent friends all around. 
Happy birthday, Jolie. Everyone, say Happy walk. Birthday, Let's pass the mic around and say one thing we love about um, our friend. What? Oh, no, it's not. No, everyone knows. It's Jolie Care from Ask a Clean Person. But, like, you guys, but also let's go around and say one positive thing we love about um, Jolie today. I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's do our peak in our valley about Jolie. No, I I hate when. No, um, I love. Um, I, like you're so funny via text, and a lot of people are, are mostly annoying via text, and you're very funny, and I enjoy it, and I appreciate that about you. All right, pass it on. Um, hi, I love about Jolie that she's up for fun. So when you when you run into her, you're at a wedding, you happen to be staying in rooms next door at the hotel. She's going to jump up and down when she sees you from the balcony and then say, let's go get some wine. The things I love about Jolie could fill a book, but the thing that I respect deeply the most about her is that she is resilient as fuck. She has really, like been through the ringer so many times and every time she pulls herself up by her very clean very stylish bootstraps and she just makes it fucking happen every time and I just I'm I'm so proud of her and I'm, I'm so grateful that she's my friend I feel very lucky that she's my friend in a world full of phonies you are a real bitch yeah. okay? You're a genuine person. You're a kind person. You can speak your mind. You do exactly what you want, which I like. I mean, a podcast about cleaning, what the fuck? When I first met you, I was like, really? I mean, and you do it so well. And it makes sense. And it makes sense. And it's funny. Yeah, I loved it. You're all you, but you're also all about everybody. And you're a good girl. I'm glad to know you. <laughs> I also love that I don't think the mic picked this up. You all just did sorority snaps for me. <laughs> so I just met Julie, so but what I want to say is is that everything everyone said about her I can just tell is hundred percent true. And also she's got on a fly ass sixties, like up it's just like everything. Like her up to her dress, like she's fucking killing it. And I just wanna say you inspire me. Like I just fucking yeah, you you're bringing it all and that's the kind of person I wanna be. So cheers to you. Thanks, Ed. Well I'm not gonna say something myself, but I'm gonna ask that you guys go get Matt and Tim so they can do this too. <laughs> Because I, I kind of feel like my best friend might have to do this, and I'm going to hand it over to Katie. I've known Jolie for a long time, and what I love about Jolie is that she is just super excited and loving about everyone and is really good at organizing people to get together and just, like, brings people together in an awesome way. I love it. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> Julie, I've only met you twice, and I've, I haven't I had a chance to talk to you much. But you're such a kind person to the point where it like radiates off you, and I think that's so amazing because it's really hard to be emotionally vulnerable as you get older too. And I I just find that quality really really endearing. We're all, yeah. 
Yeah. Christina, that was beautiful. <laughs> okay, Tim, do you want to go first? And then, are we gonna? Are we? And Matt, Matt. Okay, we're gonna make Matt go last because Matt better make everyone cry, or there's gonna be a big fight tonight. I'll tell you that much. The tarot cards are coming out. Okay, Tim. Uh, well, Jolie's um, a very honest and nice person and a great friend of Matt and um, intelligent and um, tan. I don't know. <laughs> no, but she's nice. very sweet and uh, a great friend of Matt. And I, I mean, I've known her, what, three years? How long? Five years. Five well, years? And they're just very good together and she's great and I love her. So I'll let Matt talk. Um, you know, I, I met Jolie in 2007 and then when we were in Brooklyn in I think it was 08 or 09 and she was robbed. Um, well, her apartment was burglarized and we lived across the street from each other and naturally she thought it was me. No, I did not. And then I was burglarized like a month later <laughs> I thought it was her getting back. But she came over, and, I mean, her and I have, I mean, we lived together before, and we were very close. But she came over with um, her Metro, she gave me her Metro card, her unlimited Metro card, because she, at 6 a.m., because she knew I had to get to work. And she gave me two crisp $20 bills and said, Matt, here, do what you got to do. I can call the police. I can stay here with you. Whatever you need, I'm here to help you. And um, so it clicked. That was it. So I love you, Matt. I love all of you guys. Thank you for being here for my birthday, you guys. I know. I I know you do, and I know I've done something right in the world because I have all of these amazing people around me who love me. So like, I've done great. Yeah. All right. Yay! <laughs>